Hi, welcome to the latest episode of my podcast, which is the audio recording of an interview. The video version is available on Facebook, YouTube, and most of the time on Instagram. My Facebook group is called Donna's Interviews, Reviews and Giveaways, and all the links to everything else are on there. Um, If you want any feedback or if you want to suggest any authors you'd like to see, I'd really appreciate it. Hope you enjoy. Good afternoon. Today I'm talking to Tony Forder. Uh, Hiya, Tony. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us why you've come to chat today? Yes, so I am Tony Forder, you're right, well spotted, and (laughs) thank you for inviting me onto your show. Good job you got the right person, Um, and I'm looking forward to this. Um, Today I'm here because I've republished my two Mike Lynch books, which I have here, happen to have here. These are ones I made earlier. So, Screen Blue Murder, can you see that? Yep. followed by Cold Winter Sun. So these two books were originally published by Bloodhound and uh, I got my rights back to them in December and uh, had a bit of a think about whether to republish them because they're very, very different books. But there were a couple of reasons why I decided to go ahead and, um, you know, I'm really glad I did because uh, it means a lot to me, especially having, well, for two reasons, um, Screen Blue Murder, I I know a lot of people know this already because I've mentioned it before, um, but I originally started writing it for my dad because um, he, he was a real um, advocate of action-adventure novels. You know, when I was a kid growing up, they were all around the house. And I read them and I, I was really interested in them, but I'd never written anything like that. So when he was having um, a bit of a slump in his reading, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll write him one, you know, in that kind of naive way that you do. Um, and I got about a third of the way into it and I really couldn't figure out what I was going to do with the rest of it. Um, and then kind of, you know, life takes a hold and things get in the way. Um, you know, sadly, he never got to read it, but I eventually finished it and dedicated it to him. Um, and I like to think that he would have enjoyed it. But about, I suppose, about 80% of the way through, I thought, you know what, I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed writing these characters, writing in a different style, um, especially because Mike Lynch, who's kind of the reluctant hero, is written in first person. And that was a new thing for me, too, because, you know, giving me a totally different insight into character. Um, So I really enjoyed that. And I thought, I'm going to do another one. Uh, My publisher didn't really want me to, but I decided I was going to anyway. Um, And and the follow up was called is called Cold Winter Sun. And although it's not quite the same, it's still action adventure, but. Um, it's got some of my favourite lines and, and certainly two of my favourite characters in it. Um, and it largely takes place in New Mexico. And my two favourite characters, apart from the main ones, is uh, an old sheriff 
uh, called Sheriff Crozier, who, you know, he's really kind of laid back and folksy, you know, in the way he talks and the way he thinks. And I really enjoyed writing him. And the other was a Native American called Joe Kane. And I loved his scenes as well. And I loved the way they kind of bumped up against each other throughout the book. So, uh, yeah, I, I just loved writing both those books. And uh, I've been thinking a lot lately about finishing the, finishing the series off with the third book, which I have started, and which I kind of go back to every now and then. And every, every time I get a little bit of a, a slot, I'm going to do a bit more. So I do hope to have a third book in the future. Awesome. That's brilliant news. <laughs> Um, so you wrote those before you started the Bliss series, didn't you? I started writing uh, Screen Blue Murder before. Um, actually, I wrote. I, I actually wrote um, Bad to the Bone first. Well, I wrote D D Degrees of Darkness and then Bad to the Bone. They're the order in which I actually wrote the books. But I sat on them for ages, didn't do anything with them. Um, so I started writing Screen Blue Murder before both of those were published. But then they were published first and Screen Blue Murder was my third book, I think. Um, so, yeah, across 2017 and 2018, they came out. And I, as I say, they kind of, they didn't do very particularly well. Um, it's not to say that they bombed, but they didn't do brilliantly which is kind of why I haven't returned to them since. But I'm, I, I kind of want to wrap it up. I've always wanted to do a third book and I feel there's one more story in it. And I've known the story for ages that I wanted to write, but it's just finding time. Um, you know, and there's other books that I want to write and other books other people want me to write. Um, so yeah, I, I will, I will do a third one, definitely. Um, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about both? Well, yeah. Um, I mean, the, 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 the star of it, I suppose, as I mentioned before, is Mike Lynch and he is a reluctant hero. He's having a really bad day when his day gets a lot worse. Uh, he witnesses a roadside murder. And he's taken a leak at the time. That's a rather delicate way of saying he's having a piss. Um, so, but he can't see the incident. He hears something happening in the layby where he's parked his own car. But when he, he comes over the top of this mound and he sees a man lying on the floor and another man holding a gun, and then the guy shoots at him as well, so he makes a dash for it, but he can't make his own car. So he jumps into the victim's car and he speeds off in that. And there's a chase. But when he gets away and he's in the dark and he's all silent, he suddenly realises there's, there's a young woman and a, a young girl lying in the footwell behind him. And that kind of set, sets off a whole passage of ups and downs and highs and lows and various battles and he's kind of chased across much of England by a various bunch of people, including the police, uh, the National Crime Agency, some gangsters, and even some rather dubious people who are very well armed. 
And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it really is a kind of, you know, shoot them up, blow them up um, kind of action adventure. And it's not a, I suppose it's not one of those thrillers in the truest sense. It's more kind of a, you know, a ripping yarn. It's just something to, to lose your mind in and just enjoy it for what it is. It has no pretenses to be anything other than what it is. And uh, it's just a story. And a lot of people said it's probably my most visual story that they could imagine it on film. Because um, that's how I wrote it. It was kind of everything was visualized in my head. And I tend to do that anyway, but this one even more so, especially all the action. Um, the second one um, begins when Mike is sort of recovering from the things that happen in the first book. And his wife is living in um, LA with his daughter and her new husband. And he gets a call from her just to say that she's a bit worried about um, her husband's nephew who's been away and hasn't returned. And his two week absence is unexplained. And the police and the FBI aren't really very interested. And she's really asking him what to do, but he thinks she's really asking him to, can you resolve this for me? So, um, you know, he jumps on a plane with, uh, his, along with his best friend, uh, Terry Cochran, who joined him halfway through the first book. And together they fly out to America and they end up in New Mexico. And again, they encounter this whole array of characters. There's, uh, there's a couple of hoodlums from Reno who... Um, they pose as detectives, but they're, uh, yeah, they're, they're a little bit strange duo. And uh, I, I love Terry and Mike's first contact with them. because It turns into a fight that made me roar with laughter because of the things that happen in it. Um, and then there's a couple of FBI agents and there's the sheriff and the Native American that I mentioned earlier. And it all takes place in this area of New Mexico, which I researched uh, amazingly because I was only looking up a few places. And one of the things that hooked into my head was the Roswell incident, which was the supposed UFO crash back in the 1940s. Um, and when I started researching that, I thought, oh, I love this. I've got to include a bit of this. I hadn't intended to. Um, and the more I read, the more I realised that it should never have been called the Roswell incident. It should have been called the Corona incident. And I don't mean either the virus or the beer. Let me be straight about that. But actually, the UFO crashed about 75 miles outside of, um, or outside of Roswell. And the nearest town was this tiny little place called Corona. Uh, and legend has it that the guy who discovered the wreckage actually bought a couple of pieces into Corona to show people. Uh, and they were the first people to tell him he ought to take them to the police, who then took them to the United States Air Force. Um, and I just read about it and just thought, this has nothing to do with my story. But it was such a fascinating thing that I, 
I kind of included it because I, I decided to set things in and around Corona and in and around the crash site. So I ended up including a load of stuff that I hadn't intended to, but only about 10% of what I researched because otherwise the book would have been about four times as long, you know, and it would have been a conspiracy within a conspiracy. And, you know, in the end, I, I ended up cutting quite a bit of the book anyway, um, just to speed up the pace. Um, cause I, when I, I kind of told it more of a story storyteller rather than this is a book. So I was kind of wandering off on tangents all over the place because of these characters. They just, the more I wrote the characters, the more I wanted to write about them. So I just did more of them. Um, and in the end, you know, I had to cut back. Um, so it's actually turned out to be the leanest book I've ever written. It's only about 85,000 words. Um, so compared to my usual 120,000, it's quite lean. But uh, yeah, it turned out to be one of my, I actually realized just only recently, it, it's turned out to be one of my favorites just because of the characters, you know? So yeah, that's those two books. <clears throat> yeah, I think, um, I think that's my favorite as well. And I think I messaged you after I read it, didn't I, to ask if you, were interested in like aliens and all that stuff because it was such a big theme in the book. It is, yeah. I mean, I, I wanted it to be a bigger theme because once I got into it, I thought, is there any way that I can, you know, make this part of the puzzle? Um, you know, uh, because I, I was, I just wanted to write more about it and have it part of the action and part of the puzzle. But in the end, I, I really thought, no, this has been done to death, frankly. Um, so I made it uh, a more minor part. But for me, it was a really interesting part. And it was an interesting diversion because they still go on, you know, they still go on to the land where the UFO crashed and they, they still go into Corona. So um, you know, there's bits of it that I've included just by virtue of where they go, um, which has allowed me to kind of express a few things about the incident itself, you know. Um, so, yeah, I was glad of that, even though I'd love to have put more in. Uh, if you did do a third, do you think you'd enjoy writing them as much? Could you get back into the characters, even though it's been a while? Well, because I've had a bit of downtime recently, because I finished the book I was writing, and I didn't want to edit it yet. Um, and I hadn't started a new book. So I had a little bit of downtime. So I went back to it. I read the first three chapters that I wrote last year. And I added a fourth. Um, and when I looked at it, yeah, I, it did take me a little bit of time to get back into seeing things through Michael Lynch's head. Because, you, you know, I mean, obviously, Bliss is always there. And the new characters that I've just written about and the new bit book that I've been working on were in my mind. So I had to get rid of them and bring Mike Lynch back in. So I kind of read a little bit of the two books um, just to find Mike Lynch's voice again and how I'd written him and the perspective, etc. Um, so I wrote a full chapter just to sort of prove that I could. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. And I kind of know where this book is going to go. Um, and I know what I want to happen in it. And, you know, I'll, 
I'll kind of tie everything off um, because I, 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 you know, I think it's the third and final book once it's out there. So there's no chance of uh, another series carrying on from there, then it will be three and that's it. <clears throat> that's my intention, yeah. Um, I, I, I love writing them, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, you know, because they don't sell brilliantly, um, it's kind of, it, it's, I don't know, it's, you know, it's, it's got to be something that I just want to do uh, in the bits of time that I've got and just compile the book and put it out there just so that it's finished. So I can say there's a trilogy and that's it. You know, and people either like them or they don't like them. They buy them or they don't buy them. It's it's kind of, um, you know, I've made two available. I will write a third. Um, and, yeah, I'll be pleased to have them out there because I've written 12, 13 books now. One's yet to be edited, but I've written, you know, the 12 books published. And... Those two books, the Mike Lynch books, are the most fun I've had writing because I've just been able to really let go and just let my imagination spill over and not, not worry too much about writing the perfect lines, but in not worrying about them, I found, my, found myself fascinated by them because I've written in a very different way. Um, and... You know, I, I was skimming through Cold Winter Sun the other day when the book arrived just to make sure that they were in good nick. And I just found myself sort of reading some of the passages and thinking, oh, yeah, I really enjoyed writing that bit. And I found myself laughing and sort of thinking, oh, yeah, I really enjoyed writing that bit, you know. <laughs> just, just a little bit of stupidity. And, you know, there's um, the fight I mentioned earlier, you know, um, Terry... Terry Cochran is a very, uh, you know, he's a martial arts person. And he does things all in the right way, whereas Mike, he just stands there and kicks someone in the balls, you know, and I, I found that hysterical. Um, <laughs> um, especially the descriptions of the way people felt um, after being hit by these two, you know. So I, I just, because it was a different location as well, and I loved describing New Mexico, the different parts of New Mexico, you know, and I was fascinated when I did my research. Um, it hadn't even occurred to me that it might snow in New Mexico, but it does. Um, yeah. So I put some snow in it. <laughs> yeah, while you're in New Mexico, you might as well throw some snow down. <laughs> I think um, Terry is one of my favourite sort of partners I guess just because they're, they're so different and their relationship is hilarious yeah well I mean in the first book they hadn't seen each other for a while but for reasons I can't go into because it will spoil it um, Terry's long felt he owes a debt to Mike so Mike doesn't want to call him into this problem but he can't figure a way out of the situation he's got himself into. And he needs his friend's help. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Terry is the kind of bloke who, you know, uh, will drop everything, you know, in order to help a friend. Um, and, uh, you know, Michael Lynch starts out, actually, and deliberately so, um, 
a character you don't immediately warm to. He's a bit whingy and a bit whiny, and he's a bit, uh, you know, he'd rather be doing anything other than this, getting himself out of this situation. Um, but hopefully by the end of the book, his kind of true colours come through and, you know, you find that he's really an honourable person who's trying to do the right thing <clears throat> in extraordinary circumstances. Um, and yeah, and then really Terry in the second book comes into his own because uh, of what he does and the professional that he is. And uh, yeah, he's very, he's, he's the silent partner most of the time, but when he has something to say, it counts, you know? So uh, yeah, and I love their relationship, I really do. Yeah, it shows. <laughs> well, I think I think that's why, because I enjoyed writing it so much, I think that's why I enjoyed reading it as well. I mean, I've never read any of my books, um, you know, not in full, um, other than, you know, when I've been writing them. So I've never read them as a book, as a reader. But I must say, as you know, reading those passages the other day, I just kept thinking how much I enjoyed writing them and how much I was enjoying reading them, which is unusual for me. So, uh, yeah, it was, I, I was, I was glad I'd written them. I was glad I republished them and I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I've decided to write a third because I want to finish their stories. Me too on all counts. <laughs> well, and, you know, again, it's, um, I know there are certain people who have enjoyed the book, who, who will read it, you know, a third book, and we'll be glad to have a third book out there. Um, but like everything else, you know, I, it's got to work for me as well. And this book I really want to write now. I've dithered over it for a while because there's been other things and I've been busy and I've had lots to do. Um, and they say you shouldn't go back, but I just thought, no, I've, I've got to go back to this. So it kind of... If it had been, if I'd left it at one, I could probably have left it there. But having written two, I feel as though the whole story is not finished. You know, there's only two thirds of a whole story done. <clears throat> um, and would you say to people that are fans of Bliss that they would still enjoy those two, even though they're so different? Well, I'd love to say yes, because then hopefully every Bliss reader would go and buy the book. <laughs> um, but the truth is very much I don't know. Um, there have been, you know, in some of the comments, in some of the reviews, some Bliss readers have said, you know, that this wasn't for them. They loved Bliss, but this just wasn't for them. Because um, it's very different. It's a very different style of writing. Um, it's a very different pace and it's, they're very different people. They're very character driven, um, but there's a lot of action and there's, you know, there's not huge amounts of backstory, which a lot of people like books that don't have a lot of backstory. And certainly there isn't much in these, you know, these are, you get a little bit so that you know the backgrounds of people, but otherwise it's just full on from page one. Um, it doesn't let up to the final page really. You know, it's just nonstop. There's something always going on or there's something about the characters that 
you know, will draw you through the plot, you know. Hopefully, anyway, that's the intention. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I don't know if Bliss readers, I mean, I'm not the best judge. I mean, as you know, I had no idea that um, Sidney Malow from uh, 15 Coffins would be such a popular character. Uh, that was a huge surprise to me. So I've got no idea what those who don't know Mike Lynch um, will think of him. I really don't. Um, they might like the characters better than they like the books. I, you know, it's just, it, it's people are people and they'll like what they like. And, uh, you know, my hope is that, um, you know, more people will get to read them than, than did the first time around um, because they kind of languished a little bit towards the end. Um, and then they were out of circulation. They've been out of circulation since November. So having them back out there is just kind of nice to say that they're done. They look nice. And, you know, would I recommend them? Yes, I would, because I loved writing them. You know, for no other reason than I thoroughly enjoyed myself writing these books. So, um, and I know for a few people, you know, um, there's a couple of people who read them last year uh, towards the end when I sort of said, if you want to read them, you better get in quick because they're going to be gone soon, um, who, you know, thoroughly enjoyed them and, uh, you know, really do want a third book out there. So, yeah, I'm pleased to say that that will eventually get there, though I have no idea when. <laughs> Such a tease. I mean, I'm one of them people that once I read Bliss, I want to read everything that you've written. So do you think other people seeing it's your name might just pick them up anyway well uh, uh, I don't know it'd be uh, probably a bit arrogant to say they would um I, I suspect it'll be a bit of both I suspect some people will read will read them but only if they've read other books as well because I think there are bliss readers and I think there are mind readers so I think there are some people who like bliss who haven't particularly liked the other books um, and that's fair enough because, you know, it's not as though when I write something else, I'm kind of still writing the same stuff. You know, my other books are very different from each other um, and very different from Bliss. So there's a rhythm to your writing. And so there's a rhythm to the Bliss books. And once you get into the Bliss books, that rhythm becomes more familiar and you become uh, probably uh, more interested in the people and more interested in the character development, as well as the stories. Whereas going into a completely different arena, a completely different setting with completely different characters, even though I've written them, isn't always something that someone will enjoy. And I, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with that. I, I don't expect people to enjoy something just because I've written it. Um, I'd never expect that. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I can't think of any more questions about those two, unless there's anything you think I haven't asked you that you want to tell us? Uh, no, not about those two. You want to tell us about the autumn tree? <laughs> no. No, uh, yeah, no, 
Because mm -hmm. as I said to you earlier, before we started the interview, it's not like they're new books. Uh, this is not a, a proper publication day. This is republication day. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm not treating it the same and I'm not as excited, but I'm, I'm just pleased they're out there and I hope people enjoy them if they buy them. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy to talk about other things. <laughs> Good stuff. <clears throat> I don't even remember what I've asked you before. That's the trouble. <laughs> well, if you ask me the same question, maybe I'll have a different answer and then we'd be in trouble. <laughs> I know, and a lot of people watch your ones as well, so they'll be like, it doesn't say that last time. <laughs> yeah, I've got to try and think of what I said just in case I implicate myself. <laughs> um, I think I've asked you before if you'd like to be a character in a Bliss book. So if you were in the Mike Lynch books, who would you like to be? And in either of the books, would you rather be in those? Oh, blimey. I mean, I'm really tempted to say I'd love to be Mike Lynch because he experiences all those things. But, you know, I mentioned him a bit earlier. And even though he's only a lesser character a bit part player sheriff crozier is one of my favorite characters that i've written um i just love his laid-back laconic style um he's a folksy character and i can imagine i can imagine he's really fun to be with sharing a beer you know so even though he's not the most aggressive um you know up-to-date kind of person uh, you know, he's nearing retirement, being, you know, uh, Lincoln County Sheriff. Um, I, 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 there's just something about him. And I think, you know, um, if I was, yeah, I, I'd quite like to be him. But of course, we all also want to be sort of men of action, don't we? So I suppose, you know, there's a little bit of Mike Lynch or maybe even Terry that I'd like to be. But, you know, if you, if you held me down to one, it would be Sheriff Crozier. You know, just I suppose because he's old and crotchety like me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. You're fine. Certainly not, certainly not a man of action. <laughs> um, if you were in a situation that Mike finds himself in the first book, would you handle it? How would you handle it, actually? Oh, I'd do everything that he did. No, you're I wouldn't. Such a liar. <laughs> I'd probably break down in tears and wet myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's one of those situations, I suppose, where unless it happens, you wouldn't know. Um, we all like to think of ourselves as doing the right thing and acting responsibly. But I suspect I'd be a little bit like Mike was at the beginning, you know, a bit extremely reluctant and a bit grudging and sort of thinking, you know, why has this happened to me, even though it's, you know, someone else was shot and two other people are in trouble. It's all about him. So I suspect I suspect I'd be a bit like that. <laughs> Thinking, oh, that's it. You people ruined my day. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd be I'd be the reluctant part of reluctant hero. <laughs> Hopefully the chances of that happening where you live are quite slim. Yeah, well, you never know. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um your new series, if you set it somewhere different. Did I remember? Did I read that? Yes. Um, 
Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it may not yet be a new series, but certainly the first book in what I hope will be a new series is set in Wiltshire. Um, and I, I wanted, I just, I, I wanted to go somewhere else, somewhere completely different for one thing. And also because I know the area quite well and I've got family there, um, it makes for a nice place to go and uh, do a bit of research. Uh, although the book's written, I'll still do a bit of research. <laughs> Just nice pubs. Um, but yeah, it's. Um, I'm, I'm, I've just started editing it this week, um, and I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm loath to say, but I'm liking what I'm seeing. Um, I'm usually usually really bad at going through that first ed edit after the first draft. Um, but I'm kind of thinking I wrote this in a different way and I kind of slowed myself down while I was writing it because, you know, when I'm writing Bliss, for instance, it's very easy to write quickly because the characters are so firmly embedded in my head and their next moves, you know, they're predictable to me. Um, but these characters, their moves aren't predictable to me because they're new. So I slowed everything down. Um, and I've deliberately kind of used kind of shorter chapters. Um, and I'm finding I'm not really adding much to them as I go through. I mean, I'm making changes, certainly, but... I'm not adding much to them, which I think is good. It's unusual for me. Um, so it's a new experience and you no know, new characters. New... Uh, for me, the thing about this one is the story. I absolutely love the story. I mean, it's a horrible story, don't get me wrong. But I, I, it's one that I would want to tell even if I end up not using these characters to tell it for some reason. Um, for me, I've got to like characters by the time I'm done. Um, so when I've finished this first edit, I'll, I'll reach the point where I'll either say, okay, I'm going to persevere or I'm going to dump it. Um, because, you know, the best of storylines won't work without the characters working. They've got to gel. They've got to be able to take the story through. That's how I see it anyway. Because I suppose because I'm character-driven when I'm writing. Um, you know, I've always thought that characters can overcome a weaker story, but I don't think it works the other way around. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hopeful at this stage. You know, I'm not going to commit myself to anything um but i'm hopeful because I, I yeah i kind of reached the end of the first draft and i thought to myself this, this really might work so uh yeah you know that i mean i don't really know what i'm going to do with it either um at the end because if i if i like it and i pursue it and i finish the whole thing then i'm going to have to sit back and decide whether i'm going to perhaps send this one off to a different publisher or publish it myself. Um, but that will entirely depend on how I regard the end result, I think. Um, 
and yeah, and you know, I shall be spending the next probably couple of months editing that. So that'll be, I mean, you know, I'll, I've got a, a week when um, in May when the autumn tree comes out, sort of you know, a week either side where I'll be busy doing other things. But otherwise, I'll be editing this book for the next couple of weeks, and hopefully, I'll know sort of come the summer how that's going to work out. But uh, yeah, definitely fingers crossed. Sounds exciting, so good stuff. <laughs> so you, you can never tell, but I think I think my usual readers will like it. I think so. Um, so the question is, can I entice new readers on board? You know, that's always that's always the question. Uh, have you read that since we last spoke? Have I? read much um i currently going through a lot of um autobiographies um I've, I've read a few i've read a few books and i've bought even more i mean i'm just looking over to my right where i've uh, i've been trying to sort out my bookshelves and i've got boxes of books lying around and i just i've got i've probably got about i don't know 50 or 60 paperback sitting here that I've not read um, and it's worrying because I don't think I know I'm never going to read them all um, but yeah I've been reading a lot of bi uh, autobiographies mainly musicians um, and I've, re I've thoroughly enjoyed them although I have to say every one of them seems to have experienced the same cycle of lifestyle you know where they have a great time getting into a band and starting a band then they get into the whole drink and drugs and rock and roll thing. Then their marriages fall apart. Then they end up, you know, trying to get sober and clean. Um, and then they're about 40 or 50 before they realise that their previous 30 years they flushed down the toilet, you know, which is a shame, but they all, they're all the same. You know, I've just finished reading um, Phil Collins. And I hadn't realised, you know, how much bad stuff he'd done to himself down the years. You know, I mean, he was a real, you know, he was a real uh, drugs and drink man and he's open about it and ruined relationships left, right and centre. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's that's fairly common in musicians who travel the world for a living. Yes. I've really enjoyed them because it's a it's a break for me from fiction. Um, so that's a good escape for me, yeah. Um, Post-lockdown, you have one concert to go to, one country to visit, and then one other event of your choosing. What are you going to do? Well, concert-wise... Um, I don't know. Um, my my uh, <laughs> my favourite band um, split up in two thousand and nineteen. <laughs> um, two of them have formed an offshoot. I'm still calling themselves by the band name because they're they're both originals. Well, one of them is an original, um, and they're doing a summer tour, but it's in Europe, um, and they're actually you know it looks as though they're actually going to be able to do it 
but whenever they did it, uh, that would be the first place I'd go and see them because uh, one of them is my favourite musician of all time. So, yeah, I'd certainly go and see that as a concert. Um, what was the other one? Country. Uh, I don't know. It, it, that's a weird one because, uh, you know, if I was much younger, um, I'd, I'd want to go to Japan. There's parts of Japan that I would love to see. The old, the places which are still how I picture the old Japan, you know, in samurai days and things like that. You know, I'd love to go and see those. But, um, you know, there's no way I can really travel too far these days. So I'd have to do it within reason. Um, <laughs> but I guess I'd probably, uh, yeah, I'd probably go over to America and see my mum again. So uh, that might be one thing. What was the other one, an event? Yeah, of your choosing. Uh, an event of my choosing. Well, probably, unless they get stuffed, I'd go and see Chelsea in the cup final. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, who knows how that's going to turn out, you know. So, uh, but, you know, yeah, I haven't been to Wembley in a while, so it'd be nice to go to a cup final again. Yeah. Pretty pissed off with football these days, but um, you know, yeah, a cup final is still a cup final, and for for us old timers, it still means something. Newton beat Watford the other day. That's all I care about. That's a, that's our everything. So I don't care what else happens. Now we beat them, and that's that's my season made. Is that Luton's <laughs> local derby. Yeah. Yeah. We hate them and have hated them for a long time. <laughs> well, quite right too. Yeah, they're second yeah. as well, so we've done quite well to beat them, I think. Well, it's uh, it's always. I mean, as I say, I've I'm I've been pretty cheesed off with football for a, quite a while now, but um, you know, your club is your club, and uh, I've been I've been a Chelsea fan now since. 1966. So, uh, yeah, you can't kind of just turn that off, you know? <laughs> yeah. I've, I, I mentioned this before and I figured out if you, if you love your football and you love your club, it's the longest love you have in your whole life. So, uh, yeah. So it still means something to me when they do well, but uh, I've gone off the game. So... Yeah, today with their announcement about this Super League and then Mourinho's been sacked as well, oh, yeah, for God's well, sake. <laughs> my club are part of that Super League and, uh, yeah, so today I hang my head in shame along with most fans because uh, I think it's one of the reasons why I don't like football anymore and this is just another extension of it. Yeah. What about the um, Euros? They're supposed to be this summer, aren't they? Hopefully, if they go ahead, you England fan. Yeah, well, I, I, I kind of am and I'm not. Um, I prefer rugby. I prefer in, watching England play rugby um, than football. Although I must say I'm more interested in this particular team than I have been for a while because it's got quite a few younger players coming through. Um, and I do... You know, I think even though they're not the magicians they're made out to be by English press, you know, because frankly, if we have a player who can control a ball and pass it, they're treated as, you know, gods. 
Um, but I do like quite a few of the youngsters who have come through from different teams. So um, it might actually be worth watching just to see their progress, you know. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm not overly impressed with all of them, but I, I think it's just nice to see a new generation of players who seem to be able to play the game and have fairly level heads on their shoulders too. When they're interviewed, they come across as... Um, as if they're grounded, you know. Yeah, I must admit, I'm quite looking forward to it. I mean, we were, the, I think we were the, one of the favourites going in before the lockdown happened, which is quite scary. <laughs> I don't think it's been that's been the case for quite a few years. So well, I, think, I think we're partially one of the favourites because some of the other teams have been so shite. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Germans, I mean, I've no idea what's happened to Germany, um, but they're just bloody awful at the moment. Um, the Belgians aren't quite what they were, and neither are the Spanish. So, I mean, Italy are not too bad at the moment, and France are probably the real favourites, I would say. Um, but, yeah, I think we'll, you know, if it, it depends. I mean, we, we're capable of giving them all a decent game, but we do tend to fold when we're playing decent opposition. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not overly hopeful. Yeah, I'm a practical England supporter. Do you hang flags out on your hands? Uh, no, no. <laughs> the last time I was ever really that up for it was, um, you know, when we were only celebrating 30 years of hurt back in 1996, was it? Or Yeah. Um, yeah, we were, and it, it's been a long bloody time since then. So uh, it's nice to win something. Yeah, that song's a bit depressing now. It's 50-odd years, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you go from 30, and then it was 40, and then 50, and then we're approaching 60, and it's becoming a joke. <laughs> yeah, it's not, yeah. not a funny one. Not a funny one, no. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's a distraction for me, you know. I mean, I, I always loved my sport when I was younger. Played a lot of it. Um, but uh, it's a distraction that I can, you know, enjoy because... Um, I'm finding it sort of difficult to switch off these days with TV and films and stuff like that. So sport is one thing where I can often turn my mind off for, you know, 90 minutes or 100 minutes at least. And, uh, you know, because I don't, I don't take any of it really too seriously. Mm, I'm pretty sure you were sulking when England lost in the rugby. Well, I wasn't sulking, I was annoyed. <laughs> um, I don't sulk these days. I used to be a real sulker with sport. Um, you know, if, if Chelsea lost, which they used to do quite a lot, um, you know, I'd sulk for a week. Um, but, yeah, I was really hard work after a defeat, uh, which made me pretty much hard work all year round. Um, but these days, I'm, you know, I'm a bit sanguine about it. You know, it's one of those things. I'm, I don't get upset about defeats, but I get angry about them in in the way they come about sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always sitting on the sidelines because I, I can always play better and manage better than anybody <laughs> out there doing it. You know? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. All armchair fans can, can't they? <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, I wanted to say to you about, um, oh, we were talking earlier about the autumn tree. And uh, I just wanted to know, we were talking about covers as well. And I just wondered what, whether you liked the new cover. Yes, I do. It's cool. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, not that I've read it yet, but well, it's for yeah, the title. This is why I was going to mention it, because I think with some of my new covers, the covers really make sense once you've read it. And this one in particular will make much more sense once once people have read it. Um, so, yeah, I've kind of got engrossed in covers since I went on my own because I'm putting much more thought into them. Um, so when I speak to my cover designer, I've always got a clear idea of what I'd like to see. And then she interprets all my stupid thoughts and puts out <laughs> what I really meant to say. You know? so, uh, yeah, I'm really pleased with, with that one as well. So, and I'm getting starting to get nervous about it already. Yeah. Whereas we're all dying to read it. <coughs> oh, yeah. Um, it's, I'm kind of really nervous because you get that way when you know you've had your beta readers and you know what they thought and you know what you think and then you sit there and you think oh but is everyone gonna go oh no sorry tony but this one's shite you know move on <laughs> um, you just don't know you have a gut feeling um most of my gut feelings going into the book are usually people won't like it and then they do so this time i'm going in unfortunately thinking i think people are going to like it which might mean the opposite, you know. So <laughs> I'm really anxious. I'm really starting to get edgy about it. And uh, I'm trying to focus on other things rather than think about it. But at the same time, you know, with the cover going about and the arc coming up and uh, being sent out to bloggers and it, you know, having to start thinking about publication, it's all, you know, I can't push it to one side too much. Yeah, and I would just like to say that even though we were talking about it before, Tony wouldn't tell me anything. He told me that he wasn't talking about it anymore. So if anyone thinks I know anything, I don't. No, I'm you talking. don't. There's only four <laughs> people who know about it and they're keeping <laughs> on. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, at the moment it's kind <laughs> of, I mean, I remember saying that oh, this was going to be a less busy year. Well, it's going to be a less busy half year because it's been fairly manic this, this first few months. You know, we're putting degrees there and then these two Mike Lynch books, uh, getting the autumn tree ready and writing the other new book. Uh, it's been really busy, but I've got really nothing planned after the summer. So it's time to, you know, uh, at the end of May, when the autumn tree's out and I'm close to finishing my edits for the other new one, I'll probably reach the point where I've got to sit back, probably over the summer while I have a break, and think about what comes next. Because, uh, yeah, I'm not, not quite sure where I'm going after these next couple of things. So, Will our reaction uh, determine some of that? Like, if we demand another Bliss book, does that mean you'll do another Bliss book? Oh, wait now, see, you're trying to tease something out of me there, aren't you? To <laughs> <laughs> me, that's hurtful, that is, as if. Um, 
uh, yeah, I'm not going to commit myself in terms of uh, anything at this moment because I'm not going to give anything away. Uh, I do think, yeah, it'll be slightly contentious. I don't think everyone's going to be happy. Um, but that's as far as I'm going. So, You know the yeah. Blissets will come en masse if you do anything to Bliss or Penny. You do yeah. realise that, don't you? <laughs> They're going to go call Annie Wilkes on me, aren't they? Absolutely. Uh, Too bloody way we are. <laughs> I mean, the way I think about it is, you know, whenever Bliss toddles off, you know, whenever, um, there's always his past cases to go back to. Um, and as I also mentioned, you know, as discussed in our group the other day, you know, um, you know, there's a possibility of uh, moving on with Penny Chandler. So, you know, but uh, yeah, I'm not saying anything about this. You're not getting it out of me. <laughs> <laughs> you will see when you get the arc next week, later this week. That's fine. I can wait. I'm not impatient. It's like I've been waiting nine months or anything. It's fine. <laughs> it's a really long time, isn't it? It feels like yes. a long time. Yes, it is. It's ages. <laughs> well, it really isn't because, I mean, you know, the, the, the biggies, the big boys who publish, boys, men and women, I should say, boys and girls, you know, there's a year between their books. So... Uh, but that's not you, and that's not bliss, and I want bliss, so I don't care about that. <laughs> I want it. Well, he'll be along soon. And when is the new one out? The new what? This. <laughs> I know, but other people might not know. Uh, the new bliss is out on the 24th of May. It is called The Autumn Tree, and I, yeah... My, I, not everyone's going to agree, but personally, I think it's my best. That's my personal opinion. But then, as we've already proved, because I think one of my favourite books is um, Cold Winter Sun, not everybody agrees with me. <laughs> <laughs> not everybody enjoys it, and not everybody has read it. So uh, we'll have to see. You never know. I don't know what the reaction will be, but I'm hoping it's good. Even if not everybody agrees it's the best, I hope they think it's up there, you know, because it's what we all strive for is to achieve some kind of consistency, really. Yeah. And we're talking again before it's out as well, aren't we? We're talking... About the autumn tree before it's released. In May. On the 21st, I think. Oh, yeah, the week before, yeah. Is it the week? I'm not sure of the date. I think it's the week, yeah, the week before, because, yeah, I'm doing something. I'm doing something for a UK crime book club that evening, even though it's got nothing to do with the book, actually. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be asked about it, but it's actually to do a review of uh, 15 Coffins. Um so, uh, yeah, but it'd be nice to talk about the lead up to the autumn tree, I think, uh, just just prior to its release, because by then it will be in pre-order. Um, I think it will go pre-order around about this time next week, probably. Uh, so, yeah, but I'm kind of loathe to talk about it too much because I'm just, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I, you know how I get prior to a book release. 
and I get really on edge and I get really antsy about it. And, uh, you know, I think that and it's a bit like Chicken Little thinking the sky's going to crash in on me. <laughs> you'll have most of your art reviews back by then, though, so you'll have a rough idea, I think, of the general feeling. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I was very much encouraged by the beat of views, um, but then they do see it in its raw form, fairly raw form anyway. Um, so, but I, I was really encouraged because I was, I was not, I was kind of, as I told you before, I'm a bit daunted if I quite like it. That kind of makes me think there must be something wrong. Um, but they were, uh, yeah, all of them were very helpful and insightful in the different things that they came up with. Um, and so, yeah, it's just slightly different to how they've all read it, but mostly the same. So, yeah, but those those early ARC reviews, not that they get posted up necessarily, because it's they can't get posted up immediately, obviously. Not on Amazon. I suppose they can be on Goodreads. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm a bit wary of them too. I'm a bit wary of not just whether they like them, but what people might give away you know so I'm I'm a little bit wary of that so I'm hoping um people will go by what I what I said about the arts and not and think about spoilers you know, your um your group's fine I think you're fine yeah I'm absolutely certain they are I mean there's a few newbies as you know came in this week but I'm sure everyone is you know is going to be fine and uh, I'm sure if I see something that kind of pulls me up short I can convince them to change it not their opinion of it but just if they give something away that I'd rather they didn't if not then the blissettes will sort them out it's fine <laughs> well, yeah, there is always the blissettes to call in I mean I don't I don't exactly know I mean I think it's a bit of a closed membership this blissettes <laughs> I'm not quite sure who the members are and you keep blaming me for the ritual when people join. <laughs> I've never done anything. I've never done anything. Hey, look, this is me saying that. <laughs> never did a thing. It's a but nasty, you are going to say that. You're not going to admit to it, are you? <laughs> nasty, vicious rumour. And there is no one locked in my basement. <laughs> At the moment. Only because you got rid of them last week. Oh, there's a vacancy. <laughs> don't look at me I've got a degree to finish <laughs> I'll, I'll supply some tools for you I'll supply a pen and a pencil oh, and thanks. a, a rubber I'll send Maggie your way first although I think I think she might keep you on your toes more than I would <laughs> I think Maggie would be the death of me <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to talk to her <laughs> <laughs> and if you got her on um, the 4th of May, I think. 4th okay. or 6th. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's an interesting one. She's a character. I know, I see that. <laughs> she has no filter either. The thing is, no, she doesn't. Not much of a filter. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I tend to agree on an awful lot of things. But we, um, we met at a, a, a publisher's do a couple of years back. And I spent much of the evening talking to her. 
but had no recollection of her accent until I saw her in another interview. And then she, she comes out sounding like a right carrot cruncher. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what went wrong. I don't know if he was put on a cross voice. <laughs> but um, yeah, well, I thought, is this a, that can't be the same person. She's talking completely differently. So she might she might have two sides to her character. So try and eke the second one out of her. <laughs> you know, if anyone can, then I can. So yeah. that's fine. Challenge yeah. accepted. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be fine. Well, I don't think I have any more questions for you. Well, in that case, I'll bugger off. Well, um, yes, of course, I'm not just going to bugger off. Um, <laughs> no, don't do that. Uh, yeah, obviously, I just want to thank you for having, for entertaining me again and um, for having me on and uh, allowing me to speak about all kinds of crap. Um, as, as, as always, it's been a pleasure. And I hope your new website and your new interests go really well. Thank you very much. Me too. <laughs> um, do you want to show your books again as you've got them to hand? I will. Green Blue Murder, featuring the delightful Mike Lynch and Cold Winter Sun, featuring a vast array of characters, um, and one of which is the New Mexican Desert. So, yeah, um, yeah, I thank you for promoting them for me. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've, I've enjoyed speaking to you again, and I've enjoyed getting them out there again. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next chat already. Me too. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please remember that you can view the video on my Facebook page, Donna's Interviews, Reviews and Giveaways, or you can also review the video on YouTube. Um, just search for my name, uh, Donna Morfitt. Uh, surname's M-O-R-F-E-T-T and you should be able to find it quite easily um, if you want any people to be interviewed then please let me know and I'd love to hear your thoughts thank you